life and living it. Travel can be one of such headaches. I mean, depending on how you look at it. At the airport, you see all types of sophistication to present information about your journey, preparedness, and protocol that must take place. Not paying attention can have consequences. In our lorry stations on the opposite, things can be a whole lot simpler. You know where you must go under five minutes. On a typical Friday, the hustling and bustling for travel can tell tales of what is home to people. People are going to their hometowns for all types of reasons. Some are going for funerals, others are going to see their parents, family weddings all over the place, among many others. In ones going to their hometown, they will see other towns which are also homes to other people as well. You'll be asking the big questions. Where did all these towns come from? Does their history point to a common hometown? What happened there? What kind of problems did they face? How did these town names come about? With how simple a road journey from the lorry station can be, uh, we just need to buy a ticket, get onto the car, and hope the driver starts the ignition. At some point, the journey can be boring, so the driver switches to radio. There are varied radio stations, but you will know it when you are approaching or in our land. Their songs on their radio announce themselves.
name is Jejom Oklu Jaba, and for this episode of Everview, we will be discussing our history. We will take a general overview of how Ewes came to be. In the beginning, when the world was formed in mountains, trees, rivers, humans, and many more, it was also said, let there be Ewes. Our people number a lot in the world. Estimated numbers put us at over 10 million. I think some listeners will be saying, wait, what? Um, did he just say 10 million? That's too much. I'm like, okay, bring my laptop. Let me check this thing for myself. Okay. Let me search population of uh, Ghana. Yes, there you have it. Ghanaians are over 30 million. So how is he saying Ewes are over 10 million? The presenter is taking us for granted. Well, that over 10 million covers some Ewes in Nigeria, Benin and Togo beyond Ghana. Yes, you heard me right. Ghana has the highest population of Ewes in the world. But there is significant representation in all these countries I have mentioned. You'll be asking, how did Ewes split across multiple countries like that? In the early 1900s, one anthropologist by name Henry Neville Hutchinson wrote a book that would define itself as culturally important and form part of the knowledge base of civilization. The title of the book is The Living Races of Mankind. He spoke highly of Ewes-speaking tribes found in West Africa. A lot others have written or stated as from time immemorial. You hear Ewes linked as far as to Israel and even the pyramids. Yes, you heard me right, Egypt. You will again hear a lot of unidentified flying opinions, what I'll call UFOs for this podcast series. It takes someone who is into studying files to dispel these UFOs. We have what is known as official history and public history. Official history is what leaders of society package and want the rest of us to consume and accept as our history. Okay, but public history is history which is out there in the streets, history which you and I can identify with. If you are to tell me your own story, the different places you lived in, where you consider to be home, your home may not necessarily be where you were born, but where you feel comfortable and you belong. It's a place to which you belong. That could be your home. Okay, so that is public history. 
you just had Professor Kojo Gavua with the University of Ghana. He has trained as an archaeologist since the 1980s. He understands some of these strange opinions about links surrounding Ewes. Well, uh, my experience dealing with uh, migration histories and then history in general suggests that I should not privilege any information over the other. Okay. Every information I receive, I respect it, I take it. But I reconcile that with other types of evidence, other types of information. I personally will not subscribe to the history of ever that traces our background to Egypt, the Middle East, uh, some people even lay claim to Israel and all that. Because I know from my studies as an archaeologist and ethnographer that there is something called ex-oriente lux hypothesis, which was, uh, I'll explain that, which was propagated by early anthropologists that every good thing comes from the East because the East is where they thought was the world initially, okay? And also in the spirit of colonization, okay, colonizing our part of the world by Europeans, anthropologists created this impression that there wasn't much happening in our part of the world. So it was free land. And so they could also lay claim to the land just as we would lay claim to. So all these migration stories influenced by Christianity, okay, influenced by Christianity, emphasizing Israel as the holiest place on earth, uh, then people migrating from that area to others. Then also the Egyptian thing came after the um, project to construct the Aswan Dam. It was during the process of constructing the Aswan Dam that they started chancing upon many of the pyramids, okay, and working on them. Hitherto, the Turkish had been there fighting the local people and ruling. The French were there for a while. Different groups, and then Arabs came in, okay, different groups of people invading uh, the Nile Valley and and North Africa. But because of the greatness of the civilization that was there, many people want to associate with it, okay, especially African-Americans, and then now some uh, indigenous or continental Africans, they want to say that we migrated from the East, particularly the Nile Valley, and the Sudan, and then we they'll tell you where we stopped and so on until here then they blame it on oral history. But the oral history is many a time influenced by written history. If you are paying attention to pronunciations, you will now often hear the word ever. Our next two episodes will go into Ewe literacy lessons and you start to relate to the pronunciation that you are hearing. Ewe or Ewe people. They ask, who are they? But ever, uh, which is the common denominator of who an ever person is, uh, is the language. And then also the fact that 
we live in a geographical area that is that may be defined uh, to be east of Ghana, from east of the Volta River in particular, all the way across the Republic of Togo uh, to Western Nigeria. Okay, that is what I consider to be ever. Um, I'm not. I'm not uh, considering the artificial boundaries that have been put uh, between us to define Togo and then Benin uh, as uh, apart from Ghana. Yeah. Even considerably, with a lot of writing done on LA so far, much can be said. There are still gaps about our history, even with what you will describe as lost historical information. One can date the early history of Ewes as far back to the 16th century. Emeritus Professor D.E.K. Amenume has written a lot about Ewes in pre-colonial and colonial times. He was head of Department of History for the University of Cape Coast, having also studied at the University of London and University of Manchester. He begins our migration stories by letting us know about our point of departure. Their present location has not always been their home. They came from somewhere else. And in fact, that is not uh, unique to, to, to the AV because uh, I always make this point that, you see, humankind that is spread over all the continents actually came from just a single stock, so it's the same. Which means, therefore, that uh, people in all the world have had to move from one place to the other. If we are all from just a single stock, we have believed that it was God that created man uh, completely as it is today, or it was through evolution. Either of them uh, has to accept the fact that people had been moving from one part of the world to the other, and that's how we actually populated all the continents of the world. Uh And the Ebe actually acknowledged that uh, they came from east and then moved west to Togo and uh, Ghana. Well, the established fact is that the original home of the Ebe is in uh, Ketu. But Ketu was actually a Yoruba uh, state. That it was from that point that uh, people moved eastwards. And the interesting thing is that you see, the uh, people don't only recognize that Ketu was their home. They actually have a, a name which is, implies that it was the home of humankind. Amajofa. That's the meaning of Amajofa, where humankind uh, was uh, first seen and then began to spread. And then again, another name for Ketu, as far as the uh, people were concerned, was uh, Maufa, the seat or the home of God. So because the uh, people believed that they were made by God and did not actually evolve, they think that where they started must be the seat of God and that where all mankind in the world was uh, uh, first seen. Of course, that is not correct in the sense of the rest of the world. But we can be sure that as far as the area are concerned, that is the point from which they, they departed elsewhere and then came to settle where we find them today. 
Yes, yeah. Mm. In true format, I cannot do justice to delivering a proper journal of the expedition of airways to their present home in one episode. Even if I skip latitudes, rivers, mountains, foreign ethnicities along the way, important names and cardinal direction of the journey, I will still have a lot in areas about history narrative. This is how it is going to be done. This episode will narrate the top foundation of our stop points in history. Further episodes in seasons to come will give an encyclopedic perspective of stop points one at a time. This episode begins our baby steps. As Emeritus Professor Amenume was saying, Amejofe or Maohe happened in Ketu. Ketu is a town in modern Dahomey, now Benin. In Ketu lived other groups as well. The ancestors of the present Aja, Fong, Ada, and Ga were there. So were another group, the Yoruba. The expansion of the Yoruba people forced the airways westwards. On departing from Ketu, the people split into two big divisions. The first group went south and another group went to a point known as Adale region. The group that went south split again and there came subdivisions. One settled at Noche and the other at Tado. At Noche, a lot happened. I mean, a lot happened. To researchers and non-researchers, this was a significant turning point for the Ewe people. Say Noche to anyone and you will hear about the famed wall, wickedness of a certain king, and the walking backwards saga. You will wonder how they stayed at a place purportedly noted for bad things. Professor Amenume says they didn't stay that long. If you critique the story, the stay at Noche could not have been very long. You see, you see, because uh, before uh, people went to Noche, they were at uh, uh, Tado, and there, the sister of uh, Amagavanya was supposed to have uh, married a, a, a Tado chief, and they had a son. And when that chief died, the son wanted to succeed. But then his mother did not belong there. As I said, the mother was a sister to Fenya. Yeah. So that's where they were, uh, he was denied, so he ran away. The point I'm making is that, you see, that same Fenya was still alive by the time they came to present-day uh, uh, Ghana and Togo, which means that they could not have stayed in Ngochi uh, uh, that long. You see, because we don't have any report about him uh, having a child, but his sister had a child who had grown up, and he was the one who, had, who was going to become ultimately the first Sri of Anglo. So the point is that, you see, if that man, let's say he was uh, even just uh, 25 or so at uh, uh, Tado, he went to <coughs> Monchier, stayed there for some time before coming, and he was still alive. 
he was still alive when they got it was when they finally uh, when he established at uh, at uh, Anglonga Anglo that he said that you are tired you could not move anywhere else that's why they they, they established there so my deduction is that the period at Nochen couldn't have been that long they couldn't have been that long certainly not generations not generations because the same generation that started off continued all the way to their new home mm -hmm. and if you live in list if you live listen to the accounts of uh, the Ebe in the uh, in the middle belt that where we, which we call the uh, Vedome there also the accounts of their so-called leaders create the impression that those same peoples were still leading them when they got to the new home. Yeah. This is different from, if you like, the Christian one about Abraham not being, uh, he saw the new place that God promised him, but he couldn't go there himself. It was his descendants that went. But in our case, the accounts give the impression that the same leaders were still alive by the, by the time they got to a new home. Which therefore implies that unless they lived to be hundreds of years old, which was not possible in those days anyway. So, because life expectancy in those days was was very short, was very short. By 50, 60 or so, most people died anyway. So, there were exceptions anyway. But I'm talking about the average. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So this is why I don't believe that uh, uh, people stayed at Noche that long. For someone who writes history of a people from the ground up, Professor Gavon makes an argument against the purpose of the famed wall, the weakness of King Agokoli, and the escape from Nochi. I would say that many of the people, even if they have migrated, have been working in the area in which we find ourselves today. Nochi is not far from Angola. Ngochie is not far from Wusuta. Ngochie is not far from Ketu. It's the same geographical area that we have been moving. Ngochie used to be the capital of the Ewe people. At the height, we then began the trade in enslaved people, enslaving and trading of people. Okay, um, with the Benin, Benin people uh, championing it initially, then later on Dahomey and so on. So the thing for everybody to do at that particular period of time was to protect its people. So Ngochi being the commercial capital, the leaders decided to build a wall around the city to protect its people. And the construction of that wall is not unique. You go to northern Ghana, they were constructing Golu Wall for the same purposes. You go to Benin uh, in Nigeria today, there, are, there is evidence that they were constructing a series of walls covering several kilometers. So wall construction was in vogue. Even in Europe, when you go to Norwich, you find remnants of walls that were constructed. Okay, so people were constructing walls to protect themselves. Where they were not constructing walls, they were digging ditches. Okay, now to fast forward, then it is said in the works of Sandra Green, for example, that when Europeans started coming to 
our area, trading with us, and then also attempted to control us. Stories were created to demean our leadership, to say that your leaders were so wicked, okay, extremely wicked, so we are your saviors. Europeans became our saviors. Germans projected themselves as our saviors, as against our own leaders. And hence the story of Agokoli being so wicked, he caused the ever to construct war, and then they poured water on it, broke it, and started moving backwards. Okay. Uh, even if you think deeply about that, how real, realistic is that? And they're moving backwards at night and nobody heard them. Nobody actually informed leadership. Leadership was so drunk that they were, so, they were sleeping and they just spread. Before daylight, everybody left the place. I mean, it's not, I mean, that kind of story. If you think about it deeply, okay. Fine, it could be true that many people migrated from Ngoche after the height of the empire, of the regime. Today, Ho is the capital of the ever. Ever from different walks of life are found in Ho. Okay. But people are moving away from Ho to Accra. People are moving from Ho to Hohoe. People are moving from Ho to Kumasi. Just like many people left Angola to Kumasi, we have Angola in Kumasi. You go to Navrongo, you find other communities. You go to Bui area, you find Akanya Kope, okay, people from Mepe living there. So the migration is conti- it's a continual process. It's not an event. As of now, other people are moving towards Accra. Some are moving back from Accra, back to their uh, back f- from Accra to their home homelands. So we have to take these migration stories with a grain of salt so we don't play into the colonialist agenda as if there was nobody here and nothing was being done. My research as an archaeologist suggested that on the east of the Volta, People had been living there about 8,000 years before present, 8,000 and more. And their implements are found, including perforated stones, which we call sokbe, including the stone axe heads, which is also called the sokbe, the male sokbe, and then the female sokbe. Those, many of those were man-made objects. It's not, they say, thunderbolt. It's because people don't know where they're coming from. They are so old that we don't know where they're coming from. And when it rains heavily and there's lightning, erosion exposing some of them. So we presume that they came from thunder, okay? They could assume religious or spiritual connotations today. I don't have a problem with that. But in addition to those, you find um, polished stones, you find troughs, uh, we call them quens, stones on which they grind things over the years. Stones, rock outcrops on which they sharpen some of this until troughs were created. You find them all over the place. That is evident. Then with some of their pottery, evidence that people had been living in the area for a very, very long time. From Noche, the migration to Ghana began. This produced towns and settlements in Volta as we have today. Bando, 
sokode adaklu ho kleko abutia peki alavanyo and many more i can't exhaust the list now the tongo people later form well actually the tongo are a mixture of uh, part of or the original group that uh, is here and then people from uh, <coughs> the west akwamu part of uh, dentra and part of uh, i forgot i, I remember sunia so they immigrated and settled among the tongu and that is why over time they also developed a, a peculiar version of the ever language yeah so the tongu are a mixture of the original ever and the influences coming from the west as against influences come from the east you know they came they came from the east to their new home but then in the tongu area they have uh, uh, people coming from the east sorry from the west to come and that's why you find that uh, there is some account tradition among the in terms of uh, who is be made a chief in some areas is the descendants of these uh, foreigners from us, from uh, the west and then again that is why there are slight variations in the ever that is spoken uh, among the tongue people and the ever that is spoken in anglonga or hokwe uh, or ngonche
You mustn't say what you have heard makes you speechless. You mustn't. For a moment, imagine people going about without a digital map and no communication device. They didn't have television to hear the news about the places they are pursuing. In fact, if they are at rest and the bush by them shake, they better hope it is not the wildest of animals. With resilience and the will for determination, they went on and on, getting to their own promised land they formed for themselves. Knowing your history always beckons the most important question of all. If you don't know where you are coming from, how will you know where you are going?